It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. And this is the start of the Thunder Book of Basketball, going through the ins and outs of each era of Thunder basketball with some of the people who are most familiar with the team. The Thunder U era cannot be discussed without my guest today. Andrew Schlecht, the pod father of Thunder basketball, the guy that made this all happen, and now hosts down to dunk on The Athletic. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me. No problem about it. Like I said, you know, you started this whole podcasting thing, especially involving the Thunder. How did that all go down with you and your down to dunk guys? Man, it was uh, <laughs> just kind of, kind of fallen into all of this, to be honest. It wasn't anything that I'd set out to do, uh, but we, I just always, have always loved NBA basketball and we'd always talk basketball with my friends and, uh, we were doing a Bible study where we'd meet every Wednesday morning, super early. And we would, uh, we would just talk about the NBA basically for most of that time. And we decided to record it and then things have just kind of snowballed from there. I mean, I've huge shout out to guys like Carson Cunningham and Royce Young, uh, that have really helped me along the way and kind of taught me a lot of things and guessed it and uh, retweeted things for us. And, um, you know, it's just, it's been a a wild ride so far and we're excited to keep it going. And so your podcast has shifted over to the athletic recently and just what's that been experience like been for you and in your podcast and then what's kind of your role at the athletic? Yeah, man, it's been incredible. The athletic has been great to us so far honestly what it does it gives us a a bigger platform to to be on and it gives us access to to people that we wouldn't have before uh it's it's been it's been great so they're a wonderful company to work for and then uh, i started working for them uh two days before the okc jazz game was my first day on march 9th and then the nba is done on march 11th uh but i'm a podcast producer for them full-time so i produce several different shows. I do tampering with Sam Amick and Joe Varden. I do uh, a wizard show with Fred Katz, uh, a Lakers show that has Brett Dawson, lots of familiar names, which is fun, a Celtics and a Sixers pod. So lots of really fun shows that I get to produce and help with. So it's just uh, all NBA all the time for me, which was uh, a, a dream I never thought would become a reality until honestly weeks ago. Well, I do appreciate all the time that you've given this show. And I want to start with, you know, the book of basketball, your initial reaction whenever you found out that the Thunder, you know, then the Sonics would be moving to Oklahoma City. Man, I was so excited because I'm, I was always a fan of the draft and have always followed it as closely as possible. It's so much easier now to follow the draft closely just because there are so many websites that, that show it. But like the Durant-Odin draft was such a big one. And 
the Sonics get Durant. That's great. And then you, when I found out that the possibility of Kevin Durant coming to Oklahoma City to play basketball, I mean, I just about lost it because that that's the dream is to be able to kind of have a team come in and then grow with them. I mean, the, the idea of a team actually being in Oklahoma City is still pretty crazy if you think about it because it's such a it's a small market. There's not a lot here. I mean, you talk to guys around the country, and Oklahoma City is one of the destinations they don't want to come to. <laughs> and they're not excited to come to fly into Oklahoma City. And I don't blame them because if you've been to other big cities, you fly in and you see this giant skyline, you're like, okay, this is a big deal. Like you fly in Houston or obviously any of the coastal cities. It's a huge deal. You fly into Oklahoma City, you're at Will Rogers World Airport. Yeah. There's nothing out there, man. And then you drive downtown. It's like, there's one building. Like, this place has an NBA team? This place? And so just the idea that the, the, the Thunder exists in Oklahoma City is still a pretty crazy thing. Uh, you know, credit to the ownership group for making that happen because and it, was just, it was the perfect time for that, for that to happen. You have these oil companies that are making just gobs of money and they really capitalized on that and changed the city for forever. I mean, without the thunder here, I'm not sure that everything kind of booms like it has in Oklahoma City. It, it's, it's been an incredible journey, and I don't think that without the thunder you get to where Oklahoma City is now. So it's, to me, I, I remember hearing about it, and there were a lot of people disappointed that it wasn't going to be the Hornets because we had the Hornets, and we kind of <clears throat> grown to love Chris Paul and that whole crew and David West. But honestly, we, we got – we got the best of it and that that came with Sam Presti and with Kevin Durant and with Russell Westbrook uh coming in OKC at all all of them very young ages so I I just remember that as a young kid I'm only 20 years old so I just couldn't fathom that we would have a permanent team here in Oklahoma City I remember you know rushing to Oklahoma City when the Hornets were here to go see my then favorite team the Mavericks go see Dirk coached by Avery Johnson and those that that group of Mavericks I just was so excited to get to see them for once because we never really made the trip down to Dallas. And then to find out we'd be getting something of our own, not sharing it with New Orleans, not, not having them return to New Orleans, but it'd be our own team. That was crazy to me. So did you have a fandom besides, you know, before the Thunder, or were you just kind of a all-out NBA guy? Yeah, I mean, it was always Shaquille O'Neal for me. I mean, it was from the early 90s. That was the guy. I just remember watching him when I was a young kid, just thinking, oh, my, who is this guy? And why is he destroying everybody? And I wanted to watch him all the time. And back then, I mean, living in Oklahoma City, there wasn't a, a whole lot you could watch of him. So, I mean, I'd read, look at the newspaper, I'd read magazines. And then, you know, when there's national televised games, great. During the playoffs, obviously, you get to watch a lot of Shaq uh, with those magic teams. And I just kind of followed Shaq throughout his career. Honestly, that, that was my rooting interest was whoever Shaq played for. Uh, and then when the Thunder came, I still kind of had some allegiance there because he was playing for the Phoenix Suns, and but that died quickly once. once this, I mean, yeah. the Thunder were undeniable when they got here. Even when they lost that whole year, that season, the first season where they were just awful, you just saw it. I mean, you saw the potential that was there with Russ and Kevin, and then you knew they were getting another draft pick. And I remember that next draft being so excited because there were tons of awesome prospects in that draft. Uh, and that was just an exciting process to go through for, for a fan of, of the Thunder at the time. I don't think a team could handle a transition better than the Thunder did. You know, they, they lose that first season, sure. But as you mentioned, they already had the young guys with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. And the losing, it didn't feel like losing. You were just happy to be there. And then they immediately start winning the next season and, and so on. We know the rest of the story. I want to get your opinion on this is when was the first time that that you sat back and thought, wow, this group, this Thunder team would be a dynasty, would, would be one of the most winning basketball organizations in the modern era of basketball? I think that it was probably when they when they beat the Lakers at home in that first round series uh, in 2010. I just thought they I didn't think they'd have a chance of beating the Lakers one time. I mean, I remember the starting lineups being announced. I was in the building. I was up in Loud City with a couple of my buddies. And I just, I mean, Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum, 
Lamar Odom, Ron Artest. It's like, oh, my. I just remember just being overwhelmed. Just like, whoa, those guys are here. They're in my city. This is insane. And then the Thunder took it to them. I mean, just destroyed them. And that was the moment where I'm like, oh, boy. These, if this is where they are today, they're 21 years old, what's going to happen? What's going to happen from here? It just it felt inevitable that there was going to be a championship parade in Oklahoma City. I mean, it really. I think that should be the moment. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was surreal. It was very surreal. I mean, I. I think the entire crowd cheered almost the entire, the almost the whole time. I mean, it was a. It was just one of those coming of age moments for that Thunder team, and I mean, I'll I'll never forget it. And that was the moment because before it was like okay. Let's see what these youngsters can do against the champion, the champion Lakers. And that's they were, they were the reigning champion, and they're coming in to our house. They're they're gonna crush us, and it was the opposite. And I think too, just that series, you know, Kobe Bryant and 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 the level of athletes that complimented Russ and KD and complimented this young core. It had to make you feel good as a Thunder fan. Oh yeah, I mean, and at the time it was all about the big man too. I mean, you had the twin towers of Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum. And that was another thing that made you think, okay, they're not ready yet, is that their Nanad Kristich was starting at center. And you just thought, okay, well, this is cute, but we, we don't have what it takes to, to be with the big boys. And then another, I was at the first game that Kendrick Perkins was announced in starting lineup, and that was also another moment where I was like, okay, we're, we're here now. We're, we're in this fight for the Western Conference now. This has been a fantastic interview so far with the Athletics' Andrew Schlecht, just as fantastic as Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and get $10 off your first order. Built Bar is phenomenal. They sent us a box of Built Bars that truly are off the charts. My favorite has to be the banana nut bread, but I also love any flavor that you go on the website and see the word peanut butter, just go ahead and buy it. It's going to taste amazing. They get you all the protein that you need, gives you high energy. It's very filling in. It's low in carbs, low in sugar, and low in calories. You cannot beat that trifecta in a protein bar. And most importantly, it tastes really good. You can use it pre-workout, post-workout. You can even use it as a meal replacement, if you're on the go for breakfast or you just want to have a light breakfast or something, you can use it and it will fill you up and it will be just delicious. So head on over to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, get $10 off your first order. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So, if I asked you to summarize 08 and 2012, just the, the play style, what it was like watching that team, the experiences, the ups and the you know, little to no downs, how would you summarize that era of Thunder basketball? Because, you know, you referred to it as Thunder U and just the, the young guys on that team, you know, the Scott Brooks moving in as well as the, as the young head coach. What would you do to summarize how that team played and just what it felt like being a fan? Take us back to that moment. Yeah, I mean, they were, ju- they were easily the most athletic team in the league. And that's what Sam was trying to do is to put together a really athletic bunch you know, he brought in Tabo Cephalosha during that time. Serge Ibaka came over uh, a year after he was drafted. And they were just the most electric, athletic, defensive-minded team in the league. And then you had a score in Kevin Durant, an emerging score in Russell Westbrook. 
and you know they didn't shoot a lot of threes either and that that was that was maybe and that was kind of a downfall of even the league at the time was that they hadn't quite discovered how valuable the three-point shot was and having a weapon like Kevin Durant it's it's kind of a shame looking back on it that he took like two threes a game which is unthinkable today it's unthinkable to think that a guy like him would only take that that many threes per game uh so i mean it was a a lot out of ISO basketball, a lot of your turn, my turn. I mean, if you look back at that time too, it was, man, this is cool, but Russell Westbrook is not a point guard. I don't know what the Thunder are doing. You know, they're, they fly all over the court and they dunk and they score in transition and they have Kevin that can score at any time of a game, but, you know, Russ isn't a point guard. Let's get him a point guard. Let's, let's get the Thunder Ricky Rubio so they can actually have a point guard on their team. I mean, those were the kind of discussions that were going on at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean that it was athleticism, it was potential, it was the future of the league right before our eyes. And you know, we didn't realize it then, but you know, looking back, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, like those are the future pillars of the NBA, all on one squad. And you got to see them kind of grow up before your eyes. It was, I mean, it was a very, very exciting time. So I'm glad you bring up Russell Westbrook and that shooting guard aspect. And it, if you remember, I'm sure you do, the P.J. Carlissimo, I guess I don't want to call it an era, but I don't know what else to call it, you know, the 10-year P.J. Carlissimo with Russ. And it felt like he was pushing him and he was pushing him to be that shooting guard. What happens with Russell's career, do you think, if he takes on that shooting guard role? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because as the league moves forward, if you're a guy that plays off ball, I mean, you, you can't really survive so to me it's he was always destined to be a point guard and you know Sam Presti knew that and the Thunder team knew that um, Scott Brooks knew that uh, and even up to Billy Donovan everybody knew that that's what he should and should be but if they had brought in Ricky Rubio I mean then the Thunder are in a really bad spot in a few years because then you have your one and two are non-shooters essentially and they'll take them I mean Ricky will take them too uh, but they weren't going to make enough, a high enough percentage to, for them to guard them. So to me, it was still the best case scenario to, to give the ball to Russell, to let him be who he was. And we saw the pinnacle of that in 2017. But, uh, you know, had the general public been given the reins of the Thunder team, he wouldn't have been the point guard. He would have been the, the maniacal shooting guard. And you, you look at it now and it seems silly to, to think that, he should have been the shooting guard for the team. But at the time, you didn't have to be a great shooter to be able to sit out on the wing. People guard you anyways because people hadn't figured things out yet. It's, it has, it's been that long to where the NBA has turned over, you know, one or two times. It's just it's, it's bizarre to think about. But uh, had the Thunder, they had the chance to do it, to bring in other point guards. But they, they did the right thing ultimately and, and gave the reins to Russ. Uh, which obviously benefited the team tremendously. Something that could benefit you tremendously is Blinkist. One of the most useful apps on my phone, Blinkist is a very unique app that works in your phone, tablet, or web browser. It takes the best and key information, the need-to-know information, the key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and allows you to listen to them or read them in just 15 minutes. I throw Blinkist on while I'm getting some work done at my desk so I can learn new information. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist is having a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA to try it for free for seven days and then get 25% off of your subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial and save 25% off your subscription. Again, promo code NBA, Blinkist.com to get thousands of nonfiction books condensed into just 15 minutes. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So again, we're back in 2008 to 2012. So, I mean, we're back in a time machine here. There's no future of this. We don't know what happens next. Who was your favorite player to watch back then? Who was your favorite player on the team? I mean, it was Kevin. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, he's the, the things that he could do on the court as a seven footer, he just hadn't really seen before. I mean, he'd seen guys like Dirk Nowitzki come to the league he's a big guy that's shooting on the perimeter that's able to create off the dribble it's great he's still pretty slow uh, and then you have kevin who is as fast as a guard uh is as you know as long as a center he can shoot it he can you know shoot fadeaway shots he can do it all uh just watching him evolve and learn how to pass and learn you know how to defend better you know to me he was always the one that was just so intriguing because the sky was the limit. I mean, you had a guy right in front of you that, okay, that guy has all the tools to be the very best player in the NBA and a top five player of all time. I mean, he's right there. I mean, Russ was really fun, but Russ had just such high highs and low lows in those first few years that I, I would say that I was equally excited about him as much as I was beating my head against a brick wall because he – had, there was a lot of bad rust in there, especially in those first few years, because he, you know, there were times where we were like, I'd rather have Eric Maynor out there, I think. <laughs> and so it, yes. it seemed so stupid, but it was the, that was the case back then. And so Russell, the, there were a lot of growing pains with Russell Westbrook becoming who he was destined to be. But Kevin, it was always, wow. I mean, what he can do at his size, at his position, uh, you just, I'd just never seen it. I mean, Tracy McGrady was the closest thing. And back then we thought if Kevin could be Tracy McGrady, that would be incredible. Well, he surpassed that. I mean, he's a much better player than Tracy McGrady was. And he's bigger than Tracy McGrady. And so to me, that was always the guy. I mean, watching him play was incredible. So of the big three, Kevin Durant was for sure my favorite. But my personal favorite on the team was, was Nick Collison. And I'm the yeah. same guy that had the, the, the Dirk jerseys and KD jerseys. I also had the Jerry Stackhouse jerseys and guys like that. I've just always <laughs> liked those kind of guys when watching basketball. But we've made it far into this podcast, but you know this topic had to come up. And that's, of course, James Harden. Yep. And, and this kind of was the, the end of the Thunder U era after that uh, finals run. The first question I have about this is, is the biggest what if I think in all of this is, you know, if if James Harden is still on this team with KD, with Russell Westbrook, does he reach that MVP level ceiling in your mind? I mean, I don't, I don't think you can. I mean, if you take a, even take a look at the Warriors the past several years, I mean, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, they were two of the best three players in the NBA. We're talking about them as MVP candidates. You can't showcase all that you need to showcase to be the MVP when you're playing with players that are that good. So I don't think Russell wins the MVP. I don't think James does either if James stays, but I think that they do probably win a title if he stays. So I think, you know, the, the individual accolades to me go out the window because it's going to be about the team. That's, and that's another reason why it would have never happened. He would have never stayed. I really just don't believe it. Um, I think that he was always wanting to go to his own team and maybe they re-sign him and he sticks around for another year and able to trade him, you know, on his new contract. I think that that could have been a thing. And I, you know, you wish they would have done that for several reasons. One, I think that James got so much better that next season and to be able to showcase that, I think you get a better trade in return. And also the trade that the Thunder got for James Harden I think at the time they thought that Raptors pick was going to be in the top eight and they were very excited about that. Turned out to not be the case. They didn't, they didn't get a top eight pick. 
uh, which really and they ended up getting one of the better players in the draft which is great for them but I think they thought that pick would be better and so there's I mean to me the what if is let him stick around another year you try to go for another title again and then maybe you trade him or you give him the max extension with the intention of trading him like similar to what they had to do with Paul George where there's a yep we're going to give you the extension it's going to be awesome but listen if this isn't working the way you think it should, we're, we'll find a we'll find a landing spot for you. Uh, I just never – I don't think that James ever really wanted – once he figured out what he could be in the league, I don't think he ever wanted to be the third wheel. And that's okay. But I just don't – I don't – I think they could have figured it out had – I mean, the Thunder could have forced his hand and said, sorry, dude, you're under contract. We can match whatever we want, and you're just going to have to deal with it. You have to make the best of it. They could have done that. The Thunder don't roll like that. The Thunder have never operated like that. They want to be very player-friendly. That's for several reasons. One, they want to have a good reputation amongst players. And then two, you can't have a bad reputation amongst players as a small market. I mean, you're, you have, there's so many disadvantages um, to small markets as it is. And then if players think that you're not going to treat them right or do what they want at all, then you're like doubly screwed. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah, because there it happens at the draft where players or agents will steer players away. It it has happened to the Thunder before, um, and you know you don't really you don't hear about it, but it's happened to the Thunder before where teams say no 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 I don't want my player to go there, and so they do things like they don't share medicals or if they do share medicals they share like false information to steer that player away from you. I mean, that happens all the time. And if they had a bad reputation, then there's going to be players like, nope, not going there. Uh, so there are several reasons why James Harden didn't stay with the team. And ultimately, it's James wanted to be the man. And you, you watch him in Houston, and it's, it's warranted. It's warranted that he you know, was, wanted to be that and, and became that. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that the Thunder should have given it at least another year, uh, given themselves more time with that crew. And honestly, if Patrick Beverly doesn't run into Russell Westbrook's leg, we probably we maybe just don't even have this conversation because the Thunder have a title anyways. But uh, unfortunately, we do have to have this conversation because it it ultimately was the wrong thing to do. Uh, you at least give yourself another year or two years with James, and then figure it out from there. Uh, but you know, the Thunder and Sam Presti just cut it short. And along the same lines as that James Harden trade becomes the topic of Ibaka versus Harden, which I don't like simpling it down to just that form. Uh, but since it is something that's occurred, you know, in the, in the Thunder Twitter sphere and, and around Thunder fans, let's not forget just how good James, Har- I mean, excuse me, just how good Ibaka was. I mean, if the NBA doesn't change overnight, Serge Ibaka would have been a very valuable player to have, and he still was very good for that core. Can you just kind of put into words how good Serge was and kind of just put some more respect than he gets from like the casual Thunder fans or the NBA fans that just say, well, it was so dumb to keep Ibaka over hard. There was some real credence to that at the time, to keeping Ibaka. Yeah, I mean, it it was never really that. It was never really let's choose one and let's let's go for it. It was... I mean, whether or not the Thunder re-signed Serge Ibaka, James Harden was still going to have the same position of what he wanted to happen. Uh, so it was never really that. It was never the Thunder sitting down in a meeting and putting both names up on the board and taking a vote as who we're going to keep. It was never, ever that. So I, that narrative is definitely like created online, created on Twitter. So it's, it's, not a, it's not a true... I mean, they could have kept both of them easily. I mean, that could have happened. You know, had James been willing to be a part of the team, had James been willing to take a small pay cut that everyone else had taken, if he would have just been willing to do it, then there's no problem. There's no problem at all. Uh, but James created that problem for the team and for themselves. The Thunder could have forced his hand, like I said. They didn't. Uh, and then they found themselves where they were. Uh, but Serge was great, man. I mean, he he was a guy that that came on. No one really knew what to expect of him. I remember watching him in the Thunder Blue and White game. I used to be a high school teacher at Midwest City High School, and the Thunder played their Blue and White game at Midwest City High School. And so I worked all day and stayed late and then walked over to the gym, and it was the first time I'd ever seen Serge Baca in person. And I remember watching him and thinking, 
he's ready now. He can play today. He can play in the NBA today because he was way better than other guys that are on the court. I mean, like Byron Mullins was on that team. I remember Sean Livingston was out there with that squad. Uh, you know, Serge, um, you know, played – I think he played on Jeff Green's team. And so you got to see the whole team out there and you watched him you're like, okay, that guy's ready now. And then something you kind of forget is how athletic he was when he came into the NBA is that he was obviously an athletic shot blocker, but the dude would just dunk everything too. Uh, and honestly, he was a little before his time because he was a center. I mean, if you draft him today, you're drafting him to be your starting center. And so he was perfect for that. And he also led to Russell becoming the player that he is because that pass to surge the the pick and pop for surge out to 20 feet was there all the time and that was a, that was an automatic shot for surge back then and so it was he was huge to the development of kevin uh to to westbrook certainly he cleaned up a ton of messes that those guys left on the perimeter because you could just funnel guys to him i mean he led the league and blocked shots he made all NBA defensive teams. I mean, that was, he was an incredible player and still, you know, for Toronto was a huge part of, of their championship run. You know, that's, he's an incredible player and, you know, it wasn't ultimately a choose one or the other, you know, proposition that on the outside looking in, yeah, it looks like that. It felt like that because they re-signed him and then they didn't re-sign James and they traded him. Uh, but it was never really an either or it was just a let's, let's get Serge on a value contract. Let's lock that in because they're willing to work with us. And then at the end of the day, James wasn't willing to work with them and James wanted what he wanted. And, you know, that's at the end of the day what it was, but um, you know, Serge was a great player and is still a great player and still a highly productive player. He had one of his best seasons last season with the Raptors. And so he's had a long NBA career and will continue to play. And uh, is a huge part of what, the thunder thunder did back then i'm so glad that you really summarized that greatly because you're right it was never a baka hard and that narrative I'm, I'm not sure why it started how it started but it's never made any logical sense to me because of everything that you just said and now the coaching aspect of this team in the thunder you era was something that was also heavily discussed and I'm going to blanket statement ask you if Scott Brooks was the right hire because, you know, again, back then, middle school, high school, the takes aren't very good from myself. I mean, I don't think anyone's sports takes are that good in high school, but I always thought that he was never really a good coach. He benefited from having Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Serge Ibaka. He benefited from that young core just coming of age, and he happened to be the guy that sat on the bench because you're right. That was a ton of iso ball. That was a ton of just KD's better than you are. and he just kind of was on the bench and got the credit for it. And now he did manage personalities. And now, you know, looking back on it retrospectively, I do understand the nuances of being a head coach. But is that not giving him enough credit? Was he the right hire? Did he do more than high school me thought he did? Yeah, I think he was. I think he did a good job. I mean, to take to take the team from where they were to, you know, to the finals and to develop them the way that he did, I think is pretty big time. And I think he's done some of the same stuff. Uh, with the Wizards I think there's several different kinds of coaches in the NBA but one of those is a guy that can help you get from development to a good team and I think that Scott Brooks proved that he is that he's a good developmental coach uh, especially for those stars I mean because Russ Russ doesn't become who he is if, if Scott Brooks doesn't give them give him the opportunity to become that and Sam Presti has his ideas of how things should go but he doesn't, he doesn't impose that on the coaches. You know, they have meetings and they talk and he says, these are the things that I would like. The coach says, no, this is what I want. And it's usually the coach wins out because Sam has hired that coach to be who they are. So to me, a huge part of Russ becoming the point guard is Scott Brooks. You know, Scott, he, he did a good job. Was he the right guy at the end of the day tactically to get you to a championship no they and then they they quickly moved on from him you know everybody you know after that season the 15 season everybody thought okay that it'd be a little bit unfair to let go of scott after that season just because it was so crazy with injuries but they went ahead and did it anyways and brought in more of a tactician and billy donovan 
and it almost got you there. I mean, <laughs> they were so close to getting there. Uh, but yeah, I think Scott Brooks is a good coach, and I think that he's probably probably underrated. It seemed it's certainly NBA. And here's the deal: is that NBA stars control the league. They control the NBA. They control the games. They're that's that's what the league. That's how the league functions. And coaches certainly have their imprint on players and on things, but you have to be a super high level coach and to just go find that guy is, is pretty difficult. And the Thunder haven't gone through many coaches, uh, which I think is a good thing. I think it shows stability. I think that it shows a healthy environment. You look at Sacramento and listing off all the coaches that they've had in the last decade is insane. I mean, you forget the amount of coaches that they had to go through and they still probably feel like they probably haven't found the right coach in Luke Walton uh, with the Thunder. You know, they've been through three coaches. I mean, that's it. And to me, that's a big deal. I think Scott showed a lot. To take that team from the bottom of the barrel to 50 wins, I mean, Scott Brooks is a huge part of that. And so it, it may look like, you know, there's tactically some things that don't look right. But also, on the, sitting on the outside looking in, we know so little of what goes on behind the scenes. We know so little of how these teams function. Uh, and, you know, I don't, I don't think you just throw anybody in there and this team, you know, vaults to 50 wins. I think Scott Brooks did a good job um, and should be praised for that time. Now, not getting them, you know, over the hump in the finals in 2012 was a big deal because I don't think his rotations were correct. Um, just because the Thunder were behind the times and playing big men too many minutes. And, you know, it's, that's just, that's a part of the story, certainly. But also, he beat us, he helped beat a Spurs team that people forget was one of the best regular season teams of all time. And so he doesn't get credit for that, but he does, you know, everybody talks about him playing Perk too much in the finals, but you forget that beating that Spurs team was a huge deal. And a lot of it was because of some of the adjustments that he made. So to me, I think he is a good coach. He's obviously, I mean, he's still in the NBA today. He's doing a good job with the Wizards. They, their team is obviously not a good, that's not a good roster. That roster is really pretty pathetic when you look at it, but you can watch the development of a Bradley Beal. I mean, Bradley Beal has made a huge leap this in this season. And some of that should, some of that credit should go to Scott Brooks. Some of those younger guys have developed under Scott Brooks. I think that he, he provides a, a certain level of, for the culture of the team that I think was very minimal to Sam Presti and the Thunder front office. And I think the same for the Wizards. So uh, I think that he gets a short end of the stick just because what you saw in front of you is like, oh my goodness, look at the talent here. We don't think that he's using it right. And he didn't always make the right decision. Uh, but name another coach that has gotten a team of 22-year-olds to the NBA Finals. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it exists. That's, that's a really good point on Scott Brooks. And I wanted to ask you the same question for Nick Collison that I did for Serge Ibaka, because as I told you, Nick Collison was my guy. I've written an article saying he should be in the Hall of Fame. Now that, that ties back into his Kansas days and what he did in high school, because it's a basketball Hall of Fame, not the NBA Hall of Fame. But I remember him being you know, the best defender you can throw on Dirk. And Dirk still got his because he's Dirk Nowitzki. But he was the only option that could really bother Dirk even slightly in some of those series with Dallas. And he did a lot more than that. You know, the hustle plays, the rebounds, doing all the dirty work. And I just want you to contextualize this for some fans who look at that number four in the rafters and are so disrespectful and think that it's a lifetime achievement award. And just remember the Collison that we got the last few years in the NBA dating back to the Thunder U days, just how good was Nick Collison? Yeah. I mean, Nick provided similar to, to Scott Brooks, uh, an element of stability. And I, I think this is, this will be something that you see. I'm not exactly sure the player that it will be, they, the player may not even be on the Thunder today, to be honest. I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, Steven Adams seems to maybe fit this bill a little bit. But um, I would say that he provided an element of stability as a veteran that the Thunder needed badly as a young team. You see tons of young teams that even, the process Sixers are like the example is that they just put as many young guys on there as they could. 
They would bring in guys from the G League. They would just cycle through guys. And they suffered for years because of it. And the Thunder will never do something like that at that stage. I think the Thunder will go through a rebuild. But I think that they believe in having really good character guys. That's Nick Collison. Players that know how to play the right way. That's Nick Collison. I mean, the guy is one of the best screen setters in the NBA. Uh, he's taking charges. He's playing hard. He's setting the example for these young guys and showing them how to be a pro. Uh, I think it was huge. And then his play on the court, obviously, was huge. I mean, a part, a huge part of that Thunder era was the second unit with James Harden and Nick Collison. When those guys would come in, the Thunder wouldn't really drop off all that much. I mean, you have that that backdoor pass that that Nick would always throw to James. Uh, is just a huge memory for me of watching that team. He did the same with Kevin. He did the same with Russell. I mean, he was a great passer. Um, not the best rebounder, but he was good enough. He'd mix it up in there. Uh, but he he was just a solid player that you knew that you were going to get great effort from him every night. He wasn't going to take dumb shots. He's only going to take shots that he knows that he can make. Uh, he was a huge part of that team. And you look back and you wish that maybe he was two inches taller and that he could have been your starting center or that you would have just played him as your starting center anyways. Uh, because I do think that he had the ability to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had, he did have his limitations, the height, the length of his arms, things like that, that kept him from being a full-time center. I mean, he really was more of a four for that Thunder team, but um, really solid role player that was going to give you effort every night. I also, another thing I wish that he could have, perfected was hitting their corner three they tried that for years to get him comfortable doing that it never really took uh, I think that he could have elongated his career even more had he been able to hit a corner three with consistency but even without that the dude had a great career he provided um, you know stability I mean there's a reason that the Thunder just basically gave him a job right after he retired is because he's a really good person for the culture of the organization. And he was that from, from day one and the thunder paid him handsomely to be a, a culture guy. And a guy that sets the tone uh, as far as work ethic goes and on the court, um, you know, he's a huge part of the beginning of the thunder. So one of the big what ifs in this era before we get out of here was the 2009 potential trade of Tyson Chandler, which fell through due to medicals. And I said on Wednesday's show, that if that trade goes through, this team has a championship. Because I saw what Tyson Chandler did with that scrappy Mavs group, which was just a bunch of misfit veterans that were casted away for one last chance at a title. Chandler comes in. He anchors the defense. He plays hard. He's a very good offensive player. He provides more for that team uh, than, say, a Perkins did in the postseason. Do you agree that if Tyson Chandler, if you put him in place of Kendrick Perkins, this team likely gets over the hump? You can't really say indefinitely gets a championship, but they're in a much better position. Or do you think that that's not serving enough credit to, to Kendrick Perkins? Oh, man. I mean, there's just so many layers to it. I mean, I think you can't say with certainty that they have a championship, but they would have gotten much closer. <laughs> there's no doubt. Um, just because you just never know with injuries and you just never know. But uh, it's a, one of the bigger, I mean, the Harden trade, obviously one of the biggest failures of the Thunder management group. Uh, this trade was another one. I mean, you have this deal done and you traded Chris Wilcox, Devon Harden, and like nothing for him. I mean, that's nothing. And those guys don't play. Chris Wilcox, the only thing I remember about Chris Wilcox is that he would try to dunk it from wherever he stood on the court <laughs> when he got the ball. I mean, that guy was not a great NBA player. And that's who you traded for Tyson Chandler? I don't care if his, I don't care if he didn't have feet, like just make the trade anyways, you know, just make the trade anyways. And if he's the guy that sits on the end of your bench and he has an expiring contract in a couple of years, fine, make the trade. Why? There's no reason to rescind that trade. You weren't giving up anything of value in that trade. So to me is a, is a massive failure just because the amount that you had to give up, I think it was Chris Wilcox, Joe Smith, and Devon, the rights to Devon Harden. That, do the deal. Come on. I mean, that was, it was a no-brainer at the time. And if you can play, wow. You have yourself an incredible squad. Because you still have Jeff Green on the team. Who, who knows if they, if they keep him or they let him walk or if they trade him for somebody or if they trade him. I mean, honestly, they probably trade Jeff Green for a future first-round pick. 
is what they end up doing instead of bringing in another player because Sam loves Sam's all about sustaining, you know, excellence. And if you already have your center, you don't you don't really need to add a whole lot to that group. So I think that they probably trade for a future first round pick. Who knows what that is? It's probably a nice pick at that point because Jeff Green had value at the time. And so I mean, the future of the team is, I mean, it's right there. And then we all know that Tyson Chandler won a Defensive Player of the Year award after that. And he helped lead the Mavs to a title after that. And so, yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, he would have done what Perk did for the team, you know, a year earlier. And he would have very much helped them. And, you know, the Mavs don't get a title then. And so are the Thunder the team that steps in? I think so. The Thunder, are the Thunder ever able to beat the Heat? I don't know. That Heat team was so good. That's <laughs> such a good Heat team. But I think they get closer to, to being able to beat them. And you get more than one crack at it. I mean, you get two or th- – I mean, it would be Thunder Heat probably three years in a row is what you get. Uh, they which- need to find a way to trade for J.J. Barea, but – Yeah, right. they got to get J.J. Barea out of there. No, man, J.J. was – man, he was the bane of my existence back then. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that it's – to me, it's the – it's the biggest thunder what if there because I do think that they reach their potential faster and I think they realize what they have faster and then maybe you do have the opportunity to keep James Harden then because maybe you you see what you have for two years and like okay we've got to keep this going look what we can do Uh, I, I I think it changes a lot about thunder history and even if you do have to trade James Harden after that you get to keep Tyson Chandler and then maybe you get that draft pick, and who knows who what that conveys to be, you know, with the Jeff, the potential Jeff Green deal. It's, I mean, the layers of it are are there's a lot of them, uh, but when it comes down to it, I really it's it was just such a bad misstep for the Thunder management for their medical team. It was just a no brainer trade whether Tyson Chandler could play or not, because at the end of the day, you were left with players that weren't going to play anyways. So to me, it was, it was a failure, one of the biggest failures. I mean, there's lots of things that you can look to as like big failures for the Thunder you know, along the way. Obviously, James Harden trade number one. Tyson Chandler trade is probably two. You look like the Cameron Payne selection. You look at the trade that got them Cole Aldridge. Like, you're going to have failures along the way. Every single team has it in the league. Every team has it. Uh, but the magnitude of those decisions were huge. Uh, and not every team has that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's the what if that that really sticks with me the most is because of everything we've discussed in this podcast. The James Harden trade, sure, you look back and you got Steven Adams for James Harden, which in retrospect, you know, isn't enough. But at the time, he wasn't going to play ball with the Thunder. He wasn't going to take the pay cut. You you didn't have as much leverage. You could have kept him around for another year to let him display his growth, which would have been good. But ultimately, as you just mentioned, you gave up three nobodies for Tyson Chandler, who proved to be the difference maker in getting a championship for Dallas and with a better team with a Thunder that's not made up of Deshaun Stevenson and Jason the Jet Terry that's 50 years old at the time and that's still in the league, you know, 70 years old in the last year. But he becomes a much better player for the Thunder team, and I think that he gets them a title. But I do want to ask as we leave the show, what is your favorite moment of this era? What is, what is something that you'll never forget? Is it that Lakers series? Is it something on or off the court? What is something that when you look back at this era, you'll always take with you? Yeah, I mean, it was the ultimate fun NBA team. It was like the ultimate fun NBA experience that I think Thunder fans just believed that it was, that was the norm. Like this is what NBA teams do. The truth is that that may be, we look back at that time and that may be the most fun that we have as Thunder fans, like period. Like that's it. Like that could honestly be it because most teams don't draft even one guy, the caliber of Westbrook, Harden, Durant. I mean, Charlotte has not had a guy that caliber ever, never, not one time. You know, the Knicks haven't had a guy that caliber since Patrick Ewing. I mean, it just doesn't happen. I mean, Orlando hadn't had that guy. I mean, I guess Dwight Howard was that caliber of player, but they haven't been able to find that guy. Those, you can't just find those guys. And to get them three years in a row and then get to watch them grow and play the way they did and to make the NBA Finals 
you know, in this tiny city where the best place to go out to eat is Chili's. I mean, is incredible. I mean, it's just a, it, it was an incredible time and it helped grow the city. It helped grow the culture of the city. It helped so much. And we watched the city just explode as this team rose. And so to me, it's, it's just that it's just the rise of the thunder, the rise of the brand of thun- of the thunder and then the rise of the city itself. I mean, you could, it was just so vibrant. Um, and I just, I'll never forget that. And I'm, I'm hopeful that when the thunder do rebuild again, that's something similar. I mean, if they'll be lucky to get one guy like that, if they can go through four or five years of pain and get one guy like that to pair with Shea, it will all be worth it. I promise it will be worth it. But to get three in a row, that will never happen again. I mean, I just, there's just no way that that happens again to have three drafts to have three guys like that in a row just doesn't happen but to be the team that gets all three i mean it was it was a it was a wild time andrew i appreciate all of your time again the pod father of thunder basketball let them know where they can find you on twitter and the down to dunk podcast and the athletic yeah you can follow me at uh, andrew k schlecht on twitter uh, find our podcast just search down to dunk on uh, any podcast platform uh, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. Um, it's, a, it's a great site that offers a lot. And as the, the NBA begins to open back up here in the coming weeks, uh, you're going to want to have the content that guys like Sam Amick and Sham Sharania produce. And Eric Horn wrote this incredible piece. If you haven't seen it, uh, I read it again last night and retweeted it. So you can, you can find it on my Twitter timeline. But he wrote this piece on Shea Gildas Alexander, and he talked with the scout on his progress from year one to year two and he provided a lot of tape on it and a lot of quotes from a scout it's incredible and so if you're not subscribed to the athletic to me that's reason enough so if you would go you know find that article click on it and subscribe from there so that eric can get um some credit for that article uh but to me it's a it's a it's a huge deal if you're a thunder fan a sports fan at all i mean you got to be subscribed to the athletic Andrew, again, I cannot thank you enough for your time. I've always listened to your show. We'll continue to listen to your show. And thank you for hopping on Locked on Thunder. Thanks a lot. Be good and be good to one another. And we'll see you next time on the Locked on Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.